didgeridoo means it's time for the Australian News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, 8th of June, 2015. Well, g'day, folks. Welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 353 on this uh, long weekend here in Melbourne, or here in Australia, I guess. It's uh, the Queen's birthday long weekend, Grant, and I always find that interesting because here we are in June, and I believe the Queen's actual birthday is in April. Yeah, well, it's like President's Day and all that kind of stuff. you just got to pick an arbitrary day and go for it. And the, the good thing about the Queen's birthday long weekend, aside from getting the chance to go out and fly for some lucky folks and, and generally getting away from it all, is that it's also when a Australia releases the Queen's Birthday Honours list. And uh, in this case, uh, we know a few people who have uh, been added to the list. In fact, Chris Baru, Dave Jacker, both getting the Order of Australia medal, and Dick Smith is being upgraded to Companion of the Order of Australia. Now, Grant, are they getting those awards because those people have all been on the Playing Crazy Down Under podcast at one point in their lives? I think it could be a contributing factor, mate, but uh, Chris Baru was recognised for services to uh, aerobatics, Dave Jacker for services to and promotion of uh, the rights of quadriplegics and so on, and Dick Smith for everything that he does. Yes, Dick Smith, uh, very much into philanthropy amongst uh, many, many other things he does. Uh, so great work there. And Chris Baru, well, you know what, Grant? Now, Chris Baru is, is a personal hero of mine, and I personally think he should have been knighted. Can we still do well, that? I think I think the, this could be the first step towards it, but we'll just have to uh, lobby the Governor-General and see if he can Put in a good word to Liz while she's still in power, hey? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, so congratulations and well deserved to all of those people. And uh, you know, it's obviously Grant. Um, you know, these there's many, many people that uh, get these awards for uh, you know all all number of reasons. But uh, you know, significant to us not only because we know these guys, but uh, also because they've done some some wonderful things, uh, in particularly for aviation, if for nothing else, Grant. That's right, mate. But meanwhile, we'd better get back onto the news of the day. And Qantas says they're uh, still on track to buy the seven eight seven nine Dreamliners. Yes, and according to this article here in AustralianAviation.com.au, Grant, uh, their chief executive, Alan Joyce, says that uh, bringing in these uh, 787-9 aircraft might in fact return the airline group to an investment-grade credit rating. Interesting. Well, it's interesting because what had been, there, there were suggestions out there that if they uh, went and worked really hard to reacquire that investment-grade credit rating, that would in turn force them to delay buying the 787-9s because that money that they would have used to lock up the 787-9s would have to go into shoring up a whole lot of other areas to bring back that investment grade credit rating. But according to Mr. Joyce, he says the carrier can chew gum, walk and sing at the same time. And that's a quote. Uh, Basically, he's saying that they can uh, get that investment grade credit rating and also pick up the 787-9s at the same time. So that's a fair bit of dancing around and indications that maybe Qantas is uh, getting itself back in uh, back in play. Interestingly there, Grant, one of the criteria that they've uh, set out as uh, being essential to this is repaying $1 billion of debt. So that's a fair bit of debt for a relatively small airline on the world scale, but uh, it would be good to see that obviously repaid. And, uh, you know, I guess, Grant, the 787, I mean, they're always having to, you know, upgrade their fleet here and there, aren't they? So well, I guess as aircraft get older, they become more expensive to operate. And uh, if all the figures uh, that we see around the place about the 787 being as efficient as it apparently is, well, you know, perhaps that is a good move. Well, it's definitely a good move to get into the Dash 9. It is, uh, in my opinion, the better of the two 787s that are currently available. But uh, look, the thing is, it's it's a major capital outlay. It's a major commitment and so on. And, and they need to get these aircraft in to, to help reduce their fuel burns and their operational costs. But it's a major capital expense. So what everyone's saying is that, well, if you do that, you're not going to have the money that you need to invest in the future to pay down your debt, get your balance sheet back in order, get uh, returns back to shareholders. You're not going to be able to do both is what 
some of the analysts are saying, Joyce is saying that's rubbish and that Qantas can actually do both. It can actually get the 787-9s and bring itself back to a um, investment grade credit rating. So I don't know, mate. We'll uh, see what comes through. There's you know lies, damn lies, statistics, and corporate tax returns. So we'll see what happens with the uh, when the profits come out and how they've uh, managed to wangle this one to uh, be able to juggle both. Yeah, absolutely. And Qantas holds options for around 50 uh, of these aircraft now. Of course, as we reported a uh, year or two back, I guess now they delayed those options for quite some time. Although the Jetstar fleet has uh, been taking on 787. Dash eights for uh, you know the last year or so, and they seem to be quite happy with those. From what I can hear around the place, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, when Qantas takes that up. Uh, the first seven eight seven nine option is due for delivery in late two thousand and seventeen, so not that far away in the grand scheme of things. Grant, and speaking of seven eight seven nines, just as an aside here, I note with interest that uh, Etihad Airways has uh, indeed started operating the seven eight seven nine of their own uh, into Brisbane via Singapore from Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh- uh, we've been waiting for them to arrive. Interesting that they're staging through Singapore, but uh, also very cool paint scheme on the Etihad's aircraft these days. That uh, it's it's rather geometric. Some of people have said, oh, they don't like it. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I think it looks really good. In fact, Grant, I'm looking at another article here. They've been very busy, Etihad, uh, you know, in this part of the world recently. And in fact, recently they also started flying uh, an A380 service into Sydney, and uh, that also has the same new Etihad scheme. And I reckon it looks really good, actually. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. But uh, something that isn't looking that good going forward, according to the Air Traffic Controllers Union, is that uh, maybe uh, we shouldn't actually be uh, going ahead with this uh, new proposal from CASA to uh, set up Unicom systems at uh, various regional airports that don't require people to have previously held an Air Traffic Controllers uh, certificate in the previous 10 years. Well, that's really interesting, Grant, because, um, you know, I've been flying now since 1990 and I've used lots of Unicoms over that time. And um, you know what? I've never held an Air Traffic Control qualification. Well, this is more for the people on the ground giving the advice and information to pilots rather than the uh, pilots themselves having a chat with the uh, Unicom guys. Basically, it's for uh, remote locations that have RPT traffic but don't have a control tower. And it would allow people, for instance, the aircraft firefighters units or other folks such as mechanics or uh, people nominated by the airport to receive training and then provide a Unicom service so they can advise on traffic in the area, uh, what's happening, what the weather's like, conditions, all those kind of things. And I think this is a great idea. If they're properly trained and given the the skill set and the uh, tools and so on they'll need to be able to provide a Unicom service, then this can only benefit safety. But of course, this is a demarcation issue and Civil Air, the union representing air traffic controllers, has registered its opposition to the decision because they're saying anyone exercising an air traffic function has to have the training and experience of an air traffic controller, according to Civil Air Executive Secretary, Peter McGuane. Yes, well, demarcation, I guess it is their job to represent their members, and I guess that's what they're saying there is, you know, obviously we'd like you to, at great expense, build more control towers so we can have a, you know, a fully controlled piece of airspace there. But, you know, a lot of airports that uh, regular public transport flights uh, from the airlines operate in and out of around uh, Australia, well, they're not really busy enough to justify having a tower service. So what are you left with? You're left with a, a sort of a Unicom service, and it is just an advisory. I mean, you know, that's the way Unicom works. It's an advisory. It's not a traffic control per se. In fact, Grant, as uh, we were talking about, 
about before we started recording. When, when I used to fly in America, when I was doing my license, and yes, this was a long time ago, but um, I think I used to get Unicom advisories from the local ANP mechanic at the airport I used to fly in and out of. So. Yeah, well, I mean, my take is if they're properly trained and know what they're doing, I've got no problem with it. And if the Air, Air Traffic Controllers Union wants to raise up a stink, then how about they start putting some of their people out there to run the Unicom? Of course, they're going to charge a fortune and the, air, the airport won't like it and it'll all be charged back onto the people. I mean, as one person has been quoted as saying, the uh, requirement to have held an air traffic controller certificate within the previous 10 years to operate a Unicom is a great way to ensure that uh, retired air traffic controllers still can have a job. And you know, that's all very well and good, but some of these uh, some of these locations that want to set up Unicoms, no air traffic controller who's retired or even current wants to be there. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not just Ballina and other places like that. Some of them are out in the boonies and you know in, in the mining areas and so on. It'd be fantastic to have this extra safety provided. And I think the uh, Civil Air, the, the Air Traffic Controllers Union, should be getting right onto it and saying it's a great idea for safety, provided it's done correctly, and let us help you make sure it's done correctly. Yeah, in fact, if they were really smart about it, Grant, they could charge for the privilege. There you go. Make some money. I mean, you know, it's it's the, the it's sort of like the deep thought thing. You know, if you guys get get yourselves uh, canny agents, you'll be on the gravy train for life. But, oh, no, these guys decide to go down the old path of just blocking anything that looks bad to their eyes. I mean, get with the times, guys. Realise that you're going to win more friends if you actually support these new ideas and make sure they're done constructively in a way that benefits you rather than just blocking them. And interestingly, Grant, I notice here in this article that we're reading this from in the Australian, um, the the uh, one of the uh, chief agitators here in favour of this plan is Dick Smith, who we just mentioned a little earlier. So <laughs> a very controversial figure so in some sectors, some might say. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. I suppose we'll have to go back to work. Well, look, Grant, it's only a four-day work week, so that's not such a bad thing, is it? Yeah, mate, uh, four-day work week. I've heard of them. I, I don't know. I've been working every day across the long weekend anyhow. What's this holiday thing? I don't know. Well, I just took one. So <laughs> and before Grant kills me, until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the smarting Grant McCarran. <laughs> Excuse me, Steve, was this your knife? <laughs> Southern Skies. Online Media.